Hello, Ninth and O. Welcome to uh, Devotionables, brief devotions for busy people. I got that right this time. I think I messed it up last time, but it's good to see you all. Uh, I hope that this can be a, a blessed time for you. Uh, today we're going to be in Leviticus, one of your favorite books I know. Keep going, keep reading, keep pressing on. There's beautiful things to be found in Leviticus. And we want to just look today at uh, the guilt offering, what is known as the guilt offering. So I'm looking at uh, chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 14 and go all the way through chapter 6 and verse 7. Now this segment, you might notice, I have an ESV here in front of me, and you might notice that this segment is one big segment, even though it crosses the chapter. And I think you'll see that it all kind of goes together there. So I think we're looking at chapters 6 and 7 specifically, but we'll back up a little bit into chapter 5 here. And if you look at these paragraphs, I want to just show you how it's broken down here, and then we're going to look at a few elements. You've got verses 14 to 16, that's kind of a unit, and you're talking about uh, this guilt offering of someone who unintentionally sins in any of the holy things of the Lord. And he's to bring a compensation, he's to bring a ram without blemish, and you start to see these patterns in these sections. The next section is verses 17 to 19, and you start to see some similar things. But this time, you see someone who sins. He, he, um, he has sinned, in verse 17, doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done. So it's a really wide swath of what would be considered sins that would then incur guilt that would then need a compensation or, uh, again, a ram without blemish. Now, I want you to notice in this section as well, look at verse 18. Um, it says that the priest shall make atonement for him for the mistake that he made unintentionally. There's that word unintentionally again. Uh, so some interesting things here that you start to see as patterns. When we get to chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, you see um, a different kind of pattern. Notice here, the Lord said to Moses, spoke to Moses, saying, If anyone sins and commits a breach of faith, look at this, against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor in a manner of deposit or security. And we go through several things that he does here. Robbery, oppressing his neighbor. He found something that was lost and then lies about it. Probably was asked, is this really yours? Sure, this is mine. So something like that. Swearing falsely. Any of those kinds of things that are directly against a neighbor. But notice it says that he's a breach of, it's a breach of faith against the Lord. And in this case, again, he has to make restitution, and the restitution would be paying back that, uh, that thing that he took or uh, oppressed his neighbor with, um, along with an extra fifth, uh, which is also the case in the first segment. So point being is you see a lot of parallels here that all have to do with this guilt offering, bringing a ram without blemish in order to make atonement for a variety of things that he has done. So uh, I want to give you a few things to look at here, and then we're going to land this plane uh, in the book of Hebrews, I believe. Um, the first thing I want you to see as you're looking at this is the intentionality. The intentionality. Notice there is there, these are unintentional sins. Uh, these are uh, sins that he did not know, something of that nature. And that uh, kind of feels like, wait, how are we held responsible for those? But we are. Humankind is sinful, and we are responsible for the sins that we even commit unintentionally. So you might have heard things like sins of commission, where you're actively sinning, and sins of 
omission, where maybe you didn't do something you were supposed to do. And I would imagine in either case, this could be unintentional, and yet atonement has to be made for that sinful nature. Secondly, I want you to see who the sin is against. In the first one, you are to bring to the Lord the compensation. That's what Israel was to do. They were to bring to the Lord the compensation. And the sin was had something to do with the holy things that belonged to the Lord. So it was a sin against the Lord. In the second one, we have a sin that is against the Lord's commands. Again, a sin against the Lord. And then in the third one, where we talk about this neighbor, you might tend to think, oh, this is a sin against the neighbor. But no, it says explicitly it's a breach of faith against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor, by oppressing his neighbor. But it was a sin against the Lord. And the thing that I want to just draw out here is that all of our sins, no matter who we hurt, is a sin against the Lord and has to be dealt with. It incurs guilt. Any little white lie, anything that we do that with a, with a corrupt heart or think with a corrupt heart is a sin against the Lord. It may also be a sin against a neighbor, but it is a sin against the Lord. And it seems that in these guilt offerings, that's being made clear. The third thing that I want you to see here, if you back up in chapters four and five and you pick up the sin offering, or if you move forward into chapters, the further in chapter six and on into chapter seven and pick up the sin offering, on either side of this guilt offering, if you pick up the sin offering, you see very similar language. You see language about it being unintentional, but it's a sin offering. You have to bring a restitution to make atonement and to forgive the sins. Those two offerings, the sin offering and the guilt offering, are very similar. Now, you might think here, oh, he's getting ready to go New Testament on us, and he's getting ready to lay out the gospel because sin and guilt are part of all of humanity and have to be dealt with. And you're right, but I want to go to Isaiah 53. Listen to this. This is uh, Isaiah 53, verse 4, and uh, I think I'm going to go through 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Do you hear that sin offering? He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's the sin offering. There is the sin offering. Skip on ahead to verse 10 in Isaiah 53. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Look at this. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, there's the guilt offering. You see both of these in Isaiah 53, the sin offering and the guilt offering being fulfilled in the suffering servant, our Lord Jesus Christ. So I didn't even have to go to the New Testament for you to see that fulfillment in Christ. Now, I'm not intentionally avoiding the New Testament, but that was kind of delightful for me to, to, to be able to show you that in, in the Old Testament. Now, I don't have time to get into this in detail, but I would encourage you to go look at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. 
and uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. And what we get in these chapters is basically uh, the, the idea that the Old Testament sacrificial system, that guilt offering, was a shadow of good things that were to come, a shadow of better things that were to come. It was a shadow of the fulfillment of the sacrificial system in Christ. And we know that theologically, but Hebrews will lay that out very specifically. But the thing that I want to go for here is kind of, okay, now so what? We've got the guilt offering. It's a sin against God. We've all sinned against God. Christ has paid the penalty for that sin offering, for that guilt offering, and now so what? If we get to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, we get the word, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. Christ's fulfillment of the guilt offering should make us draw near to him. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. We can hold on strongly to the confession of our hope in Christ because we know he's the fulfillment of the guilt offering in in Leviticus 5 and 6. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. These are things that the author of Hebrews is saying now, so what? We don't have to offer sacrifices year by year by year. Jesus is the final sacrifice, the final fulfillment of that guilt offering, and those who put their faith in him now are no longer guilty. So let us draw near to Christ. Let us draw near to his throne. Let us spur one another on in the gospel as we continue to walk and see the day coming near.